Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Draft Sickos, the show where we cover everybody from the biggest names to the deepest of sleepers on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. I am Maxwell Baumbach, joined by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing on this post-Thanksgiving episode of Draft Sickos? Man, Maxwell, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I think more importantly than Thanksgiving, you know, and I feel like Thanksgiving is like a very important time of year. But dude, CM Punk is back in wrestling. How crazy is that? It's wild. It's wild. I've got a a wrestling tie-in on my column this week, too. So I am stunned, flabbergasted. I (laughs) really did not think this was going to happen. And that's that's the world of pro wrestling for you. Um, For those out not fans of pro wrestling, this guy was a uh, had a brutal falling out with WWE where there was a real life lawsuit after uh, he made some inflammatory comments about a doctor that he. uh, was able to basically prove in a court of law uh, or the lawsuit was dismissed something like either won the lawsuit or was dismissed but uh yeah had a very strongly burned bridge with wwe he went to the rival company was fired there after getting in several fist fights <laughs> backstage and now he's back in wwe so it just goes to show if you've got talent you can get away with a lot of stuff uh in life <laughs> um, but yeah man, i'm i'm stunned by that i i was genuinely surprised but I think WWE, it's a hot brand right now. So I think they feel like they're playing with house money, right? Like, it's like, we've got Cody Rhodes, Red Hot. Bloodline stuff is super hot. Jey Uso is over. Like, we've we've got Randy Orton coming Rhea back. Ripley is, like, Rhea Ripley's the coolest a huge thing. deal. Yeah, you've got yeah. The, the Becky Charlotte angle, too. So it's like, you, I don't know, like, kind of a heat check. You know what I mean? Like, let's just throw the CM Punk thing Randy out there. Randy Orton is back, work. too. Yeah, if the, if the Punk thing doesn't work, we just push it off to the side. We're, we're back to business as usual, and business is good right now. Yeah, man. And I, 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 the reason I bring this up is because like, this is just like how my brain works. It's really weird. Right. Um, I always like to think of like wrestling and basketball as like pretty similar worlds, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, there's a lot of parallels between like certain athletes and both of them, right? Like undertake, like there was a cool article. I think it was last year, or the year before that came out. It was like, what, what like basketball star is like the wrestler, ver- like what's the wrestler version of yeah. the star? And there was like LeBron James to Undertaker, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I like I always think about this type of stuff. What do you think about like CM Punk is like WWE's version of Kyrie Irving? You know, like very That's talented player, like yeah. very polarizing. There's people that love him. There's people mm-hmm. that no matter what he does, they can't stand him. And the reason I bring this up too is like I could 
I could easily see Kyrie Irving like going back to LeBron, like the place where it all <laughs> yeah. started, the place yeah. where there was the falling out and everything, and then like mm-hmm. everyone like loves him again. And I feel like Kyrie is like back in good graces with a lot of people because he's doing well in Dallas and everything has gonna gone according to plan. I don't know. Like, what do you think about that like crossover comp between the two? It's interesting. I think how you feel about CM Punk and what your politics are could really influence that question because politically punk and and Kyrie, I think are very opposite. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I, I think with punk, the other name that that sprung to mind for me was actually Kobe Bryant, where it's like, this is a guy who is so obsessive about his craft. And if you are not in line with that vision or you, if you are not, um, it's dedicated to it and seeing it the way that he does, it can be a problem. And he had falling outs with people like Phil Jackson. And then that kind of turned around. I That's the, the name. Dwight Howard thing for too. Yeah. Where it's like he had guys that, you know, didn't see eye to eye with, had his falling outs, and then ultimately ended up, you know, coming full circle or whatever. But there's sort of no denying the level that he can perform at, at the same time. I think like that was the one that sprung to mind for me. But Kyrie, I think is kind of a similar one. Um yeah, yeah. I, th- I I think either of those, I could, I could rock with either of them. Either way, really talented. So now yeah. that we've gotten this out of the way, <laughs> That's let's, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's dive into the meat of the show, man. So like yeah. we were talking about it last week and we kind of foreshadowed like what we were going to be talking about. We wanted to kind of take it easy a little bit with like the Thanksgiving break and stuff like that. I still, I, I think that we both still watched a heck of a lot of basketball. We probably could have like kept this, the same format in all honesty, but we wanted to do kind of like a temperature check, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it was, yeah, it's funny you mentioned like watching out of bass. So I was showing my father-in-law synergy and it was like blowing his mind. <laughs> like he was like, who, who does this? Like, how do they have individual possessions for every player? Like it was just shows what a great partner we have in synergy. So shout out to synergy. Absolutely. But yeah, we really wanted to kind of just figure out and kind of bounce guys off of each other. Right. Like we each came up with three guys that were really feeling guys that were a little bit concerned about as far as where we had them coming into the year and yep. just walk it out see see where we're at with guys so the first name is a name that that i brought to the table and of course he kind of had two he had two kind of stinky games right <laughs> right after i threw him out there but i'm still really actually optimistic about this player even with those two rough ones uh that's trey alexander from creighton a player that i was high on uh last season um so so far through six games averaging uh just under 16 points per game six and a half rebounds 4.7 assists to three turnovers one steal and 0.8 blocks the shooting splits he's 43.2 uh percent from the field 31 percent from three but about 89 percent from the free throw line um the biggest thing i want to lead with on trey um is i think the things that have popped and been good were very unexpected and I yeah. think areas where he's struggling are areas that I have no doubt things will round back into form. Um, so the biggest thing has been his athleticism. This was pretty jarring. Like you'll hear about guys making athletic improvements just about every year. Uh, but with Trey, Trey was really a methodical below the rim player last season. He still managed to get to the rim at like a respectable clip because he is so good at using his timing, his footwork, his manipulation of ball screens to get where he wants on the floor. But he really lacked a second gear. He couldn't really operate other than 
I am I am playing out of a hostage dribble. I am setting this up. There's no explosion to him. Trey has already passed his dunk total from last year. He's already dunked it three times. Yeah. He did that within the first three games. And those are coming in the half court too, just exploding up off of one foot, coming off of curls, things like that. He is undoubtedly getting off the floor easier and from farther away. Uh, but he's also just putting himself in position to do that more often. This was a big thing that jumped out to me. Um, looking at the numbers on synergy, uh, the three half court dunks first off, but uh, last season he took like, I, 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 this is off the top of my head, but in an article last year, around like 25% of his shots at the basket and shot around 51% on those shots, which are fine numbers for a guard. Um, this year, and they've played some real teams now. They've played Colorado State. They've played Iowa. Uh, they've played Loyola, who's always solid. Um, he is taking 37.7% of his half-court shots at the rim, which is a really high-level number for a guard. Like, if, if we're looking at other guards... In that range, it's guys like uh, that's close to almost like in the same tier as what a guy like Jalen Suggs dig. But we're talking uh, Bruce Brown, Shea Gildas Alexander, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Alex Caruso, Colin Sexton. Like that's the percentage of shots they took at the rim in college. And he is finishing very efficiently. He's at 57.7% on those shots as well, which again, we're talking like pretty you know above average for a real nba guard prospect so to be getting to the ring this often and finishing at that high of a clip while doing it speaks volumes about just how much different he is athletically than where he was a year ago uh i think the assist numbers going up that was just a function of him getting the ball more i think that was always going to be the case with him when he got the chance to run the show um And then where he struggled has just been the three-point shot. This is a guy who's like a nuclear catch-and-shoot player. He's always been an outstanding mid-range pull-up shooter. He's a guy where I'm not really worrying about the percentage at all from three. I I don't think there's any question that Trey Alexander's a good shooter. He's over 80% from the free-throw line every single season. It was something like 44% on catch-and-shoot threes last year. That number's going to turn around. Just hasn't had great luck on his pull-up threes. um, And has missed some unguarded catch-and-shoots, which isn't really like him. I think that turns around. And I think what we're ultimately looking at is a guy who's almost posted triple doubles, who is rebounding more now, who's getting to the rim more now. The passing is what I always thought it was, which is real NBA point guard level passing. Um, I just love what I'm seeing. I I think this is like a pretty firm, haven't made a update on my board yet. I have a hard time seeing him outside the top 20 at this point. I think he's really easily an NBA guard. Um, But what what have been your impressions of Trey so far? Yeah, I mean, you really kind of hit the high points, you know, the the uptick in usage is something that I, I think that we were all kind of like anticipating, especially when we saw Nemhard transfer out. Um, we saw Ashworth come in. He's more of like a score score type guy. They don't really have a facilitator, although I think that, um, um, you know, uh, I'm for Shireman. Yep, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Baylor yeah. Shireman is a. Uh, is kind of like a, a passing guard but or wing player, but he's also a shooter. So I think that it kind of like kind of by default, it had to to come from Trey here. But, you know, his usage percentage is up like 7%. He's playing, you know, roughly about the same time. So it's just like a lot more being thrusted upon his shoulders. You mentioned the, the fact that he's getting downhill and finishing. He had six and ones last year, Maxwell, and he's already like halfway to that point this year. So, I mean – just the emphasis of him, you know, being strong, being more aggressive, 
with his approach, I, I think has been like the big turnaround for him. He's seen a, a jump in his turnovers, though, and a decrease in his efficiency. And I think that's just – I think that was like a calculated risk a little bit with, with Creighton this year, right? Because, you know, I don't think that anybody is going to draft – is gonna is gonna draft Trey and be like, okay, like this is your team, go run. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But I think seeing the fact that like you can trust him in like small bursts to do like some ancillary playmaking and things like that, it's gonna do wonders for you, right? Because some of the best stars in the NBA, Maxwell, or some excuse me, some of the best role players in the NBA were stars, right? At, at their team, right? And when you know what a star needs because you've been in that spot, you can like better facilitate those things. So I think that's been big for Trey this year. You know, we, we talk all the time about how smart he is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird though, because he's being more aggressive, but the free throw rate is actually kind of sort of low. But I, I, I think that as we were talking about the fact that he's going to be more like of a supporting cast player uh, really doesn't concern me. The increased rebounding rate though is really nice. Maxwell, you mentioned that he's uh, has to be kind of in the top 20. He's at 16 on my board after kind of being in the mid-20s coming into the year. I'm not ruling out a lottery spot for him either, no, you know, because I, I think that there are some players, especially this early, you know, sometimes it depends on your philosophy, right? Like sometimes you just see people kind of burn the ships early, which works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I'm kind of hanging on to a little bit of hope with some of these guys, but you know, say two, three months down the road, if things kind of say the course, I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to keep, keep Trey out of your lottery. Yeah. I, I well, the one other thing I want to mention straight to you, as far as the athleticism is his block rate is now up to 2% this year. And it was something we talked about in the preseason show is that he did already kind of block shots at a good clip for a guard, like, cause he stays connected around screens really well. And he would get so many of those just mid range blocks. Um, 2% is like, a ridiculously high block rate for a guard. Yep. Like that is where guys like Jaden Ivey and Chris Dunn were when they were in college. So it's guys that can really defend or guys who are really athletic generally, or just super high feel players that end up with a block rate in that vicinity. And I think Trey can maintain that. Um, so again, it's just like with that added athleticism, I think before I always felt like he was going to be a guy that uh, defended other point guards but now that he's quicker, that he's getting off the floor better, it it just feels like even more natural to me. I, I feel better about him guarding up the lineup now too. Uh, he's a little bit yep. stronger. Like he did everything I could have asked for him to do this off season. So I'm just really thrilled. Like it's it's always nice when you have concerns about a player and you just see them like directly addressed on the floor. Yeah. I think that's what we've got with Trey Alexander. But uh, let's go on to your first guy, uh, to Jane Salon, who uh, is having great season with Chile. Um, really kind of started slow and it started to turn it around from an efficiency standpoint. What made you want to focus on him as one of the guys that you've been either moving up or flirting with the idea of moving up? Yeah, and I think it's important just to kind of plug some of these international guys uh, throughout the year because yeah. I think the tendency with college basketball is like we kind of get more hands off and I, I really want to kind of prevent that. So Salon was one of these guys, Maxwell, that even within the No Sailors Collective had like a lot of fans. And the early stuff that I was watching, some things that I watched last year is like he kind of seemed almost like one trick pony-ish a little bit. And when you're an international guy and your tendency is to be a little bit more perimeter oriented, you kind of wonder how much, you know, dog is in the uh, is in the player a little bit. And uh, I doubted that. And 
going back and watching more film recently, I'm not sitting here and advocating that Salon is like a first round guy or anything like that. Although there are a lot of people that would, I just, I'm more like interested in him as a prospect. Like I wouldn't rule out like a top 45 grade for him. And I would say like right now he's like 55th on my board. Wouldn't rule up, wouldn't rule out him climbing. And that was when he was like, even outside my top 100. Right. So I think too, when you look at the numbers, you know, he's averaging across all leagues for chalet. And again, for international play, there's multiple leagues that these guys will play in. they'll play with like the, the pro team. And then they'll kind of like do some, some, you know, for your baseball fans out there, kind of like minor league play or whatever. Right. So uh, across all the leagues, he's averaging about eight points, three boards, one assist, almost one and a half steals, about half a block per game. His efficiency numbers aren't that great, right? Like across all leagues, he's shooting about 37%, 32% from deep, 78% from the free throw line, a little over one turnover a game and almost two fouls a game, right? But when you watch the film, like you just see the process for him. He is like, the the form on the shot is like beautiful, Maxwell. I, I really buy him as a long-term uh, floor spacing kind of combo forwardy type of player. The strength, like, he's not afraid to mix things up in the paint and he will get down and he will get down around the rim and display some more of that soft touch. He moves better than what I saw coming into this season. And that's a big thing for me, right? Especially with international guys, you kind of wonder sometimes about how the athleticism translates over, right? If they are kind of like subpar athletically, they have to be that much more intelligent on the court. And I think for salon, he can do a little bit of everything on the floor offensively and defensively. I think, he still has his struggles a little bit. You know, I don't expect him to be able to switch on to anybody uh, in the NBA or anything like that. But against some like kind of power wings and power forwards in the NBA, I think that he'll hold up pretty well. So, I, you know, of course, with international guys, sometimes you, you, you always assume that these guys can dribble pass shoot. He actually can pass like he displays some incredible passing feel out there on the court and Again, with international guys, you about the dog factor. He has a high motor, like is always moving on the court, keeps his legs pumping. And the reason I want to bring him up again, Maxwell, is just because I wasn't considering him as a real prospect. Now I am. Like he is commanding my attention. You know, he's not like what I because there are players like Alex Tuhi in this draft class who are very similar to him. And I have Tuhi as like an early second round now, which makes his draft stock a little bit uh I would say fragile or volatile in a sense, but I still think that you go out and you get a, a guy like TJ Salon and you add him to your club and he could give you an interesting wrinkle, at least offensively. Yeah. With Salon, it, it's tough for me because I, he's one of those guys that at this stage in the calendar, I feel like you could, you could ask me about him on a given day and I could have him like 20 spots higher, or 20 spots lower. Like it's, yeah it's it's he's a tricky eval and part of it is like you mentioned the, the leagues that he's playing in so uh he's now playing in like the jeep elite league which is like the big big league in france but like he played some basketball champions league uh stuff with that same team so it's not like we're not getting the reps with him that we got with cool valley last year Correct. it's like you get to see him whooping butt in the espoir <laughs> league like that those <laughs> clips don't exist like he's just playing on the top of the line team against either other pro french teams or other pro teams throughout europe and that's part of the efficiency, right? Like if you're just listening to this and you're not watching, you're like, we're talking about a dude that's shooting like 36% from the field. What are we doing? Uh, it's yeah. it's only grown men that he's competing against. I think what makes him so interesting to me is that there aren't a lot of guys that are six foot nine and like as slippery 
is he is. Yep. Um, like you mentioned the shot. I, I tend to like the shot. I love how high the release point is on it. Um, I do think it's one of those things that is going to come around. He shot it well at lower levels in the past, like last year when he did play in a spa. Um, throughout the course of the calendar year, he settled around like 36%. Um, he's having a good free throw shooting year. I, I, I do think he's going to shoot it. Um, yeah. Just not a lot of guys with his kind of wiggle when he goes downhill. And oh. part of it is he is still pretty weak. He's 18. He's filling out physically. Like he just doesn't have that level of strength yet. So he kind of has to play that way. Um, and obviously like, I wish he could, yeah, just like plow through everybody, but that's just not where he's at in terms of his physical development yet. Um, he does get there and I think he can, he suddenly becomes a much more interesting offensive player. Cause if you can combine that shiftiness with some outside shooting and then a little bit more just traditional inside work, um, that could be a, a really complete player. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the passing. I think there's some. I think he struggles a little bit with the speed of the game still, but there are some moments where you can tell he really knows what to be looking for. And he's not afraid to try stuff. Like he'll, yeah. he'll try some like interesting behind the back kind of interior passes uh, on mm. the go. And it doesn't always work, but it's one of those things where it's like, all right, like I kind of, I kind of like what you're trying to do at your age. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, defensively. I'm, uh, I'm again, a little confused. <laughs> he's sure. so long. He's so long. And he, he's really good at passing lanes. Like he's averaging one point, almost 1.3 steals per game while playing about 20 minutes per game. So really, really great at reading those lanes, using those length, this length to get into them. Um, I love when he knows the scout on a guy that's a shooter and he like pops off the floor with both yep. arms extended over his head on his closeouts. It's, it's kind of quirky looking, but when it's a known shooter, he does that. And it's, it's something kind of cool that I, I get a kick out of watching his game. Um, I don't like his hips and his stance. I feel like guys get around him way too easily. I think he crosses his feet quite a bit. Um, if he's in like a series of actions in a row or it's coming off a lot of ball screens and things like that, I think he can struggle. Um, but again, we're talking about a guy who's 18 and can really move. So I think there's yeah. a chance that kind of turns around in time. A lot of what he's struggling with is just stuff that feels improvable. And that's where I'm like, well, am I... Am I finding good value? Am I finding a guy that I might be able to get, you know, late 20s, early 30s that with a little bit of seasoning, all of a sudden I have the kind of pro forward with size that every team wants, or am I just getting way too cute with it? Am I looking at a guy that has a lot of things he need to fix, needs to fix, isn't scoring in a pro league right now, and maybe he's just never going to be efficient and never really going to be a good enough defender. I don't know the answer to that question. And that's why, like I said, day to day, he he's a high variance guy, if, depending on when you ask me about him. Yeah, and that's kind of where, where I have him, like in the back end of the, the second round right now, which I think is pretty safe. And again, sometimes in the draft, like you, you wonder like what philosophy, like how much you let philosophy influence your decision. I think the age factor that you mentioned is, is a big one, right? Like you have more time with him in your program. I think that his player type in the G League would just like absolutely pop and thrive because you just see guys who are smart, who can do multiple good things on the court. Like they, they'll just put up big numbers, right? And, and that's where I think that he could really like come into a program and kind of work his way up. One question I want to ask you, Maxwell, before we move on is how do you feel about the international crop and the discourse kind of surrounding them right now because early in the year it felt like oh look at all these international guys like they're going to be really great and then before college basketball kicked off it was like oh what about like Lachlan, Lachlan Ulbrich and stuff like that and mm -hmm. now 
it just kind of seems pretty mute in a quote-unquote weak draft class then we're not even like discussing international players like in the mainstream right now i will will say this i i do think it's kind of funny that like before the season when we were more focused on international as a community we were like maybe this draft class isn't going to be so bad bad and then college basketball started yeah. and we're like oh this class stinks <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah. and i don't think this class stinks to be completely honest i don't think i don't think it's that bad but yeah i think yeah i think right now a lot of the international guys are getting slept down a little bit because i think there's some fun bets i think there's some guys that are like legitimately producing that are going to be quite good and quite appealing um yeah i think that shift of focus to like college guys and then a lot of guys not meeting those expectations is sort of shifted the perspective a little bit. But I, yeah, I quite like a lot of the international class so far. Like Zachary Richer is like killing it right now. And yeah, it's been we're just good. like, we're like, what's wrong with Justin Edwards? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's like what their conversation feels like right now, collectively. I just, I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. It is interesting. Uh, so let's jump to one of those guys that we were just kind of complaining about. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, go. Are our college guys that just, are, are kind of leaving us wanting a little bit more is how I'm going to put it. Cause I don't, I don't think we're writing off any of these guys. I think it's just guys. No. Who are like, oh man. I was kind of hoping to be a little bit more sold at this point in the draft cycle. Um, this was, this was one of my picks. Uh, so I'll, I'll cop to it. It's Omaha Baloo um, on Iowa state. I'm, I'm still like long-term in on all of these guys that I'm saying I'm lower on today. And I want to be clear about that. Like I haven't given up on any of these guys as prospects. Um, Omaha has been a little frustrating. So Omaha Baloo, uh, 6'8", 225, uh, scoring 4.3 points, 2.3 rebounds, 0.7 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.2 blocks, 50% from the field. Uh, from the three-point line, I don't. I think he's taken one three, uh, two threes in six games and yeah. has not made any. But he's 88% at the free throw line. Um it's just been kind of a weird year for Omaha. I had him like, I believe I had him lottery or maybe even top 10. Uh, oh, to start yeah. the year. What I, what I loved about Omaha is that he was such a high motor player that I thought that with a Iowa state team that was a little bit thin at the bigger positions that he was just going to kind of walk into a role. And even if he didn't, I thought that because he's so high motor that he would just kind of carve out that sort of a spot. Um, Instead, uh, Milan Mamsilovic has been outstanding. Uh, Trey King has been really solid. Robert Jones has had some games where like, he's just looking really good. And the immediate opportunity hasn't quite been there. Um, the other thing I'm kind of struggling with here is that Omaha just, he's kind of feels a little bit more like a ghost uh, during his minutes yeah. than I would have expected. I watched the game against VCU the other day. 10 minutes, two boards and a foul. And that was it. Like the entire time he was on the court and VCU is not a small team. Like they've got really good length, at least for a mid-major team. Um, kind of just felt like, Hey, he should be like pushing these guys around and at least cleaning up on the interior. And that has not happened. Um, his best game was against Grambling state. That's kind of like buoying his stats right now. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to take him some time. Um, he had a really nice putback in that Grambling game that was just like, that's what I want to see every All single game time. from you. Like, I yeah. just want to see you getting in on the glass and letting everybody know who's boss. And I don't know. It, it just hasn't hasn't quite happened. But I, again, I'm not out on him. I, I just thought there would be a bit more 
early opportunity. Uh, where where are you at with Omaha? And like, is there anything that you've seen? Because for me, the biggest thing has just been, I thought guys would feel his presence every second he's on the floor, and that hasn't been the case. Yeah, this one just hurts, dude. Like, I I feel like personally, just like, just so upset about this. You know, like I had him as a top seven player coming in. I was just mm-hmm. confident that he was just going to be like one of these defensive playmakers, just flying around the court, pretty much doing. <laughs> pretty much doing what we've seen Ryan Dunn do at Virginia. Like that was like the level of impact that I thought that we were going to see Ryan Dunn, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit below that, but like somewhere in that neighborhood, right? He's only playing 13 minutes a game, dude. And it's clear that Milan, uh, I, I know how to say this name. Why am I blanking on it? Momsilovic. Yep. Yeah. So it's just so much obvious that Milan is like the more ready player. And I think very that that was offensively, like very, really, like really polished offensively. Hits like the Dirk one-legged fadeaway, like in with hands in his face, just very ready to contribute. And I just see almost. And we talked about this with McKenzie and Baco when we did our freshman preview. And one thing that I mentioned is like these defensive dudes, they typically don't pop until their sophomore. Like we're seeing it now with Ryan Dunn, right? These like defensive first kind of offensively deficient guys they typically pop their second season it's really hard for like a freshman to come in be that good defensively in in the in the jump that they're making in competition without being like trusted in any offensive capacity it takes them usually a year and I don't know why I didn't attribute that same level of like thought or criticism to to Omaha I guess I just thought that the slashing was going to be there I thought the the rim running was going to be there but he's just he's just not ready dude like the decision making isn't there at all it looks like the game is just moving too quick for him uh and he's got talent around him too it's not like he's like making this jump to a team where like he's the guy I mean there's a lot of guards on this team that that do a lot of great things there's a lot of forwards on this team to like take pressure off of him. Like Iowa state system, there's opening and and spacing for you to operate there. And I'm just, I'm confused by it. I think that we just, we love the motor stuff. We love the character stuff that we, that we heard so much. And, you know, we trust our guys at no Stanley's who went and saw him in Portland and uh, you know, got a lot of great Intel from them watching him. And we, we just believe, still do, man, like long-term, still a big Omaha guy, like you mentioned from the top. We're not here to rip these dudes or to think that they can never come back or anything like that. 100%. I just, it just, I struggle watching him, man, because it's just, man, I, I think that we were just like unfairly vaulted him up and just were kind of like, We'll, we'll forget the offensive concerns yeah. and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He works hard. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, he's a good character guy. I just, yeah. again, I, this is something that I just, I got to like stick into my scouting notebook and like almost make it like a pillar of my scouting. It's like these defensive first dudes, they really pop their sophomore year. We saw it with Tari Eason. We're seeing it with Ryan Dunn. We got to give Omaha time to like really, to show that pop, like get it, get one year to like learn a system offensively to learn, learn, learn different players around him, learn how to scout the game at this level and then let him apply it for the following year. And we'll probably see like that product that we are expecting to see from game one, you know? For sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's spot on. Um, let's move on to another guy who was another person that 
I believe both of us and, and a lot of people on our team had really high on their preseason boards, and that's Scotty Middleton. Um, yeah. Freshman at Ohio State uh, was was real high for me. Um, so far, Middleton, 5.4 points per game, 2.6 rebounds, 0.8 assists, 0.2 steals, 0.2 blocks, 39% from the field, but 44.3% from three uh, and 71.4% from the free throw line. Middleton is a guy that I think still has a chance to put it together during this season um because i do think it's clear that he can really shoot the ball (laughs) um he is a really really good three-point shooter and that that was his rep coming in he's six foot six and he shot like 44 percent from the field uh from deep during two high school seasons in the nibc which most kids don't shoot that well at that age. That's that's a real outlier strength in his game, and that's still there. I think where I've been a little disappointed with Milton is, as I mentioned this last week, the, the frame scared me. Uh, uh, I thought he would be a little bit more filled out uh, coming into college than he is, and I think that's kind of muted his defensive impact. Um, at Sunrise, it really felt like he was one of the best defenders uh, in, that, in that league in high school. And this year, he's just been struggling a little bit. I, I think part of it is speed of the game, but I think part of it is physicality as well. And yeah. then on offense, it's been extremely perimeter oriented, like 10% of his shots in the half quarter coming at the rim. Um, he feels very afraid to drive and get downhill. Like that has just not been there at all for him. Um, I liked his other shot making traits too. Like I thought he did a good job, like getting separation and, setting up his own and that's not really been his role um but there was a shot in the santa clara game the other day where he took a mid-range pull-up that just it didn't look good like it was very forced it was really up the right side of his body um didn't really set it up very well or it just feels like everything's going a little bit too fast for him again this is a guy i really like long term i think he knows how to defend uh from what i've heard like work ethic all that is is not a question with him um and he can really shoot and he's six foot six and he's long. So like, I, I think this is a guy who gets there and is an NBA role player. Eventually. I think I've been a little disappointed with how bare the cupboard is outside the yeah. point shooting, but where, where have you been with, uh, with Scotty? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we, we saw the three point shot coming in, you know, he's obviously got, you know, throwing in another wrestling reference here. Like he's a member of the bloodline, right? Like he's got mm-hmm. the, the pro pedigree and, the shot looks just absolutely incredible. And shout out to Bryce Simon, you know, friend of the friend of the program, friend of No Ceilings. Um, he texted me like during Scotty Middleton's first game, and I'll, I'll clean up the language a little bit, but it essentially equated <laughs> to, "Oh my goodness, Scotty Middleton looks so skinny out there." <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was. Yeah. He. It was just like, it was it was jarring like how just physically deficient he looked on the court. And that wasn't even like the biggest competition in the first game either. So I, it just looks like the speed and the strength. You mentioned it right off the rip. That was like the first thing that I, that I have in my notes, you know, we mentioned the rebounding being an indication of a pro player. I would throw out the rebounding numbers now because like, obviously he's just Mm -hmm. gotta, he's gotta work his way up. And I know that you mentioned like he could rise this year, I would actually kind of be surprised if he did, because if the strength is like the biggest thing that he's struggling with a little bit, and this isn't like a a shove, this is just Mm -hmm. like a general, general nudge, right? Like this is, um, you know, if he's struggling this much physically, 
I don't know how he improves that throughout the year. You know what I mean? Because we talk about this all the sure, time yeah. too, or at least I do. It's like, you're not going to get stronger during the year or, or anything, yeah. right? The shooting has been apparent. I, I don't know how much better he would have to shoot to for that to kind of like cover up some of like the defensive stuff that we see, some of the interior finishing stuff that we see. I would just, I wouldn't be in a rush to like, grab him with like a really crazy high pick. Now, if I'm a team that's got multiple picks like the Oklahoma city thunder or something like that. And you just like, I buy the processing, I buy the, I buy the intelligence, I buy long-term, you know, when we get him in our facilities, put some meat on his bones, that he'll be an intelligent playmaker, like do that. But if I have one pick in the first round, I don't know where I would start to feel comfortable with the idea of just like going ahead and taking Scotty, you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. second round if he, but does he want to be a second round pick? Would he rather go like, this is like weird discourse that we start to get into when we start thinking like, okay, like this is great for the team, but what's best for the player? You yes. know what I mean? Yep. Like does the, does a player want to be drafted 42nd overall just to go ahead and get in the league? Or does he take that Ohio state NIL bag and come back mm-hmm. another year? And like really work on his warts and rise up to be maybe a lottery pick in a year or two, you know? Yeah, where I kind of caught myself with him is I was like, I, I, you know, I'd still be kind of tempted just to grab him because I do believe in him long term. And then I thought about a guy like Max Christie, who like was in a similar spot and then just like did not have a great year in the G League last year and like even looked like he was struggling there and is on the Lakers like traditional roster this year and is shooting under 40% from the field. Like, I, I think that's a real concern. I think with guys that have those sort of like physical development questions, it might be best to kind of stay where you're at. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with him. I, I do think it could, could turn around. I'm really optimistic in him uh, long-term, like I said, but rough, rough start for him. I want to take a quick break and get into uh, some, we're going to, we're going to turn it back positive for a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so stay with us here. We'll be right back. All right, let's talk uh, some Eves Missy. Uh, he is awesome. The Baylor seven foot big man, six ten big man rather. I used to just saying everybody's seven feet tall. Uh, Nine point two points per game, five point seven rebounds per game, point three assists, two point two blocks, one point two steals, sixty percent from the field, forty eight point one percent from the free throw line. So don't love that. Um, yeah, not great. So I'm I'm really in on him. So I, I'm actually going to kind of defer to you to let you lead off just so we can get sort of a more sensible talk on, on somebody that is uh, that is into a player and kind of has some rising up. But where where have you been with him uh, so far? Well, first off, I don't think that you're crazy because I I know roughly where you have this guy based on like the, the group chats and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that you're crazy for this. I don't have him in that same range, but I have okay. him like, again, like this is where – I'm still hanging on to some guys' draft stock, but this guy could very well vault up to where you where you already have. This is a guy that, you know, for anyone who listens across all platforms to all different draft shows, you would have heard Raphael Barlow talk about him coming into the preseason. And Which Raphael, guy by who, the way, like the Baylor connection has been solid for him because he was all over Kendall Brown before people thought he was a one-and-done guy too. Like that's – Raphael's got a – he's got a good track record with the Baylor guys. Yeah, I mean, just Texas in general, that's where he resides. He's really plugged into the 
to the basketball community down there. And when I heard him bring up Missy, I'm like, okay, let me go watch. And I liked his film. I thought he was decent. I felt like I had him in a respectable range. I wasn't like first round in love with him or anything like that. But I was like, okay, like this, this could be a guy. He's very raw. I thought he lacked a lot of feel. The feel I still uh, has a little bit of a ways to go, man. But like the strength and athleticism are very evident and very apparent. Uh, plays with his hair on fire. You know, he sets hard screens, run, runs hard as heck to the rim. Shows a great second jump, which I feel like goes under discussed in, the, in draft talks a lot is, you know, when you're evaluating a big and you look at athleticism, what does the second effort look like? And Eve Missy has a heck of a second effort. Um, very malleable still. And I think that when you're drafting a player like this, I think where you have him in that range, it, it makes a lot of sense because it's like, okay, he has like NBA athleticism and strength already. Check. Uh, he, you understand that you have to keep things simple for him right now. And I think simple for him is rim running and playing defense. So kind of like check on, on, on that. But he is still so very raw, but almost in a good way to where you feel like he hasn't learned any bad habits yet. So anything that he learned, and then anything that he learns is going to be good, right? So you kind of have like a blank slate that you're, you know, at your fingertips to where you can create this dude into any mode you want, right? Do you want him to just kind of, quote unquote, just be a Clint Capella where he's a long term rim running big man and that's kind of it? Or do you think that he could be on, like I say, a Pascal Siakam, you know, learning curve where eventually he does grow into a playmaker? Eventually he does grow into a little bit of a shooter. And I, I don't think that any sort of, you know, multiversal outcome is out of the question. I just think that he has like an NBA entry level skill set based on his physical tools. It's just that some of the like the shooting touch obviously has to improve. I think the passing has to improve. I think that you, I would trust him on like handoffs. I don't even know if I would let him do like the, the two dribble make a decision thing yet uh, based off of what I've seen right now. But I think that he could very well climb. Right. And I think that he has like a good basketball aptitude based on the reports that I've heard again, listening to Raphael, uh, hearing the things out of Baylor, like actually watching him play. Like you see that the effort is there. You don't got to worry about any of those things very well could climb like very intriguing dude to kind of like keep your finger on his draft stock pulse. Yeah. I, I like use a lot. I think where I'm differing than consensus is I'm pretty optimistic about the ball skill stuff. Um, so I, so i like the defense a lot. I think that it's six ten, you know, two thirty five, wherever, wherever he is around where he's listed. Um, in about a year, I think he's going to be like completely physically there in terms of everything you'd want from an NBA big man. Um, yeah. I really like his mobility. I love how fast he can be end-to-end. -end. I like how he can slide his feet when he sits down in his stance. Gets his hands on the ball a lot. Like I, I, I like to talk about guys who just manage to get their hands on the ball consistently on the defensive end. He does that as a shot blocker. He does that with his length, uh, getting into handles, uh, getting into passing lanes at his size. Like 1.2 steals per game for a big is it's pretty wild um and they've played some some high major programs right like they played two steals against auburn uh, a steal against florida like these are not total you know pushover schools he's done this against um love how he's an above the rim guy on both sides of the court i do think he has some real stuff to him as far as how he can put the ball on the floor 
how quick he can be with the ball. Um, I think that he's going to be a guy that you can sort of trust to operate handoffs and like turn the corner on guys and sure. put it on the deck a little bit. So I, I do think there's some real ball skill stuff that's, that's going to actualize uh, in time. I do worry about his touch because of the free throw percentage, like you mentioned, that's kind of a touch and go thing with me. I'm not like convinced he's a terrible free throw shooter. I just want to see where that settles uh, over the course of the year because we are so early. Um, defensively, I actually think it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I, one thing that really stuck up to me is how he guards post-ups right now. It feels like his hands are always in the wrong place. Like his hands are down when they should be up and they're up when they should be down. Uh, way too often, he will allow guys to get an easy, like just drop step on him and get right to the rim. Uh, so he's definitely got to show up like guarding one-on-one in the post. Uh, but I think against L- most NBA defensive actions, he's going to be good. I don't feel as good about him as I felt like a Derek Lively. Last year were Lively. I worried about the physicality a little bit, uh, to be completely yeah. honest. I wish I could be like, hey, he's going to start right away and be awesome. Uh, I liked him a lot long-term. He was number 10 on my board. Um, but I thought that just like, from a fundamental standpoint, he was ahead of, of where I have Eves. Um, with Eves, I think it's a guy that you probably put in the G League for a year to actualize the handle, um, get some of those defensive habits out of his game. But I think this is a long-term starting center that we're looking at. Yeah. By the time everything kind of rounds into form. So he's a top 20 guy on my board. I, I just think the nascent ball skills paired with the defensive upside and play finishing uh, and the tools. I, I really like this bet a lot and sort of a down draft. Yeah. I, I think one thing, you know, and I saw dirty dancer in the comments, he's like, I don't know what to do with like rim running bigs anymore. And I'm glad that you brought up Derek lively because he's a perfect example, right. Uh, of yeah, there is still a need <laughs> right in the NBA for big man. Like I feel like we kind of like, crazily relearn that every draft where Mm -hmm. there's like a big man that comes in and does some crazy stuff. And we're like, Oh man, like big men are actually important. You know, like with Walker Kessler the year before there's just always a, a a rookie big man that comes in and it's just like, Oh wow. Hey, like maybe we undervalued just like him being able to do great things around the rim. What is your draft philosophy on big man? It's like, he's really good at putting the ball in the hoop around the rim and keep yeah, the ball scoring out of the, the hoop basket. On the other. Yeah. Scoring at the basket and preventing the other team from scoring at the basket. Like it's, it's that. Yeah. And I just think too, that the whole Onyeko Kongwu, I don't know if he's going to like get this comp. I, I think that Onyeko was actually a little bit more polished offensively than, than what uh, Missy is now, but they're oh, both kind sure. of like, they're both like around the same height, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, He's going to be an undersized big man. That's like an above the rim player. So like how many teams are going to be like running to go get that with how, how much room he still has to go even on both ends of the floor. So I think that he's going to be like one of these like weird kind of like paradoxes in the, in in his draft class to where it's going to be, I know that we always say this, but like it's going to be incredibly fit dependent. I think, you know, for a team that's going to have the, the patience to be able to take him potentially that high, um, knowing that he still has a ways to go. Yeah. I, I think the other thing with the rim runner question, because I do think it's a good one is that I think if there's defensive versatility, it's a lot, it's a much easier pill to swallow. Like if yeah. it's, if it's a rim runner who you kind of have to put in a drop, I think that's a much scarier proposition. I think with these, he's going to be able to play in multiple ball screen coverages. 
and that makes me feel a little bit better about him uh going forward but let's get to a guy that you brought up real early in the week and uh yeah, yeah this guy is making me kind of eat some crow let's talk uh indiana's Kalel Ware. Averaging 15.6 points, nine rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.6 blocks, 0.6 steals, 56.3% from the field, 42.9% from three, 72.4% from the charity stripe. Steven, give us your uh, your Kalawar thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to to eat some crow as well, man. Like uh it's really weird how I feel like the draft community, and I'll, I'll throw my like I'm you know, I, I rarely ever say that, like, I'm at the forefront of anything. But, like, I feel like once I see a player struggle in one season, that's kind of like a like a kiss of death for them almost. You know what I mean? And it's just like we spent preseason talking about this guy. And we were like, does Indiana make players better? You know, he's going to be in a very condensed system. And, like, Indiana has their worst, don't get me wrong. But Kolo Ware is certainly not one of them. He's playing well kind of, like, in spite of the roster construction that's around him right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that, you know, he looks so much more confident in his game. And one thing that I want to, one kind of like person I want to look kind of sit him next to is like a Walker Kessler, who's was in a similar situation at UNC where he was like at this center by committee. Um, when, when he was at North Carolina, Clover was kind of doing the same thing. And it's really weird now that Oregon is like having all these injuries. It's like, you know, what kind of player they could really use right now is Kalo Ware. But um, he just looks so much more comfortable around the rim. I love his touch around the basket. He seems to like getting to be getting back to some of the things that we saw um, in high school where he would do like these fadeaways. He's like sweet touch moves around the basket, like finishing with a very good combination of power and finesse was known more as like a stretch big coming in to Oregon. He's actually showing that this year. He's shooting about 42% from deep on low volume. He is getting attacked all the time because he is like he and Malik Renu, which big Malik Renu guy as well. He's getting to the, his free throw rate right now. Maxwell is like above 60, which is, which is nuts, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. he's like a big rim pressure dude. And that's, Basketball, to me, Maxwell, it comes down like offensively. You want to find a good balance of gravity on the perimeter and pressure around the rim. And right now, Kalel Ware is a big rim pressure guy. He's capable of having plays go through him a little bit more to some degree where the offense can flow through him. That's going to do him a lot of favors uh, for NBA teams uh, looking at him. And then he he looked really good against Donovan Klingon in the, the 20 minutes that he's still playing for some reason. Um, but it, that game like really served as a big measuring stick to me. And I felt like that was the big measuring stick for a lot of people. Like, Oh man, like we really got to start paying attention to Khalil Ware potentially being this like return to form player that some of us, uh, were ready to kind of move him past on. I have him in my second round right now, Maxwell. Um, and I think that I thought that he was going to be a liability going to another school. I thought that he was going to be more of like in the undrafted free agency range if he came if he if he goes to the NBA this year. Now I'm not so sure that he might he might end up being like a first rounder. Like yeah. by the time everything's all said and done. Like I have him 46 on my board. Could easily move him higher, you know, if things kind of stay the course that they're at right now. This we could be talking about a first round pick Phil Calero where which is what he was supposed to be anyway when he went to Oregon. Yeah, I I really like what I've seen from Ware so far, and I didn't 
anticipate that to be the case. The one thing I want to put out there that I thought was interesting that's kind of lingered with me a little bit um, is there was a comment when he went back to school. I believe it was in an ESPN article. I don't want to like slander anybody yeah. that wasn't or for somebody else. Well, they made a comment. A part of it was that he thought that after the Intel process was done, that it would be hard for him to get drafted. Mm. That's one of those things that's kind of concerning. I will say I've kicked the tires on where with a few people, and I've never heard anything outright damning about Kalel yeah. Ware. So I think that's like kind of interesting in and of itself is that maybe the Intel on him wasn't stellar or maybe there were some little things, but at least from what I can see on the surface from the outside, I feel like he's really sort of cleaned up as far as how he plays the game and his approach on the court. Yep. Like we said, this was not an ideal circumstance last year at Oregon. His role fluctuated. His minutes were up and down. It's one of those things where from the outside, I can put myself in a guy's shoes at that age and say, that would be incredibly frustrating for me. My freshman year of high school, again, stakes much lower. My role fluctuated a lot on my team. I would start one game and then get no minutes and then be the sixth man. And it, it drove me nuts. It was really hard um, to go to practice every day and, and keep your head up when that's what you're dealing with. Um, I, I think with Kalel Ware, like it was understandable, but it was also very frustrating from the outside that it's like, dude, if you're getting six minutes a game, just kill those six minutes. Like, I don't want to worry that you're floating out here and losing a man and letting a guy get behind you in a pick and roll setting uh, when you're getting your, your 10 minutes a game, just lock in this year. He is so much more locked in on the defensive yeah. end. Like it is so much of a less common occurrence that was phrased very poorly. It's a much less common uh, occurrence. I meant to see you him. Yeah. yeah. It's a much less common occurrence to see him just completely spaced out or, or lost or behind a play or slow to react. Um, he's much more on top of his stuff on the court. The jump shot, I think, has always looked really good. I've always kind of thought he'd be a solid shooter. The volume's still a little bit low, um, so I'm not quite sure what to do with that. He's a little too long, too heavy at times. Um, I think the passing has been really exciting. Like, there'd be moments last year where he'd be poised against the double and make a nice kick. Uh, there'd also be moments where it just seemed like he was being way too passive. This year, he seems like he's found the balance between aggressiveness and finding other guys. And, and some of the reads he's made have been stellar. Yeah. And that's one of those things, too, that I wonder how much better that might look on a court with more spacing on it. Um, and I think he also deserves credit because, like I said, that Oregon fit was frustrating. This Indiana fit is it a whole lot better. There's been a lot no. of games where he's had a stellar first half and they just stop going to him in the second. And he's still playing defense through all of it. He's still hanging in there um, and, and locking in. And I think he deserves credit for that because that would be enormously frustrating. Uh, personally speaking, he is engaging a lot more physicality. He's getting to the free throw line a lot more. I, I think what I worry about a little bit with where is, um, I don't know how athletic I think he is compared to other NBA centers. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like him as a four really. I think he's probably oh. a step slow for a four and he's not shooting enough threes to be a four. Um, but at the five, it's like I worry that there, there's going to be strength mismatches. And I don't know that he's like a ton faster than a lot of other guys to like really make teams pay in the way that a Chet Holmgren can, which is obviously an extreme example. Not everybody's yeah. going to be Chet Holmgren. 
Um, but I just don't know how much like added value you're getting with him at the five, unless he's taking more threes and the passing continues to come along, which it could, like you said, like he, he's making those improvements as we speak. So I'm definitely a lot more interested than I was a year ago. Uh, probably a first round guy for me at this stage. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad that you say that. Cause like I said, I'm like mid second. I do have cons- some concerns, strength and athletically and things like that, but he just looks more polished. He actually just earlier today had a really good game against Harvard. And, uh, you know, it's not like Harvard's a world beater or anything, but he's having like sustained superior performance over these past few games. And we're going to get to see him test his medal a little bit against some other really talented big men within conference play and certainly like postseason, things like that. But it's just very encouraging to see a player who, you know, and who had so much negativity wrapped around him because it was like coming into last year, it was like, Lively versus where I think early on I was actually like team where a little bit. And then it's like it, it came down to lively, like in a landslide. And it's just I think sometimes one of the things that I struggle with a little bit, Maxwell, is like I become too married to my my previous years, um, you know, kind of scout a little bit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all you have to go off of, you know, but a lot of it has to do with player. A lot of it has to do with situation and things like that. Just like these intangible aspects that. We just may not even be privy to all the time, but it's been a pleasant surprise to watch him do so well this year. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's move on to a couple of guys that we're a little worried about at this stage. This is a guy that I I think is like 100% a pro at some point still, uh, to kind of go back to my Scotty Middleton uh, caveat. Um, this is Miles Suzan from Oklahoma. Um, obviously, I that I, I wrote about interviewed prior to the season like him as a guy just a little bit worried about the efficiency to start the year with him so 7.2 points per game 3.3 rebounds per game 4.5 assists to only two turnovers uh 0.1 steal 0.2 blocks uh but only 30.9 percent from the field 21.7 percent from three and just under 70 percent at the free throw line um i was just really hoping the scoring was going to be there uh, cause yeah. I, I, I didn't sweat the, the, the assisted turnover numbers were close last year. I didn't sweat that. Like, I, I really thought like this guy's feel is just so high that the game is going to be further slowed down for him. He's going to have a little bit more help with, uh, JVN McCollum, OA getting another year under his belt. Like he's going to be fine. That'll come along. And then the pull-up scoring is going to come along. The lead option offense stuff just hasn't been what I hoped it would be. Um, and for a guy who is so much of a ball screen operating guard, that really needs to be there. Um, it just seems like some of his looks are forced. Like there's some shots that he, there's one shot he took. that was sort of like a floater range on the right side of the court shot against Josh Morgan in the USC game that got swatted. Where it was just like, dude, that, that look wasn't there. What are, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, but then again, like there's the offhand finishing stuff in that same game. And um, the shot is coming out really flat sometimes. Other times it's it's not. I've really just been hung up by how inconsistent the scoring has been. And with the barrier to entry being what it is for guards now, like you have to be able to score. And he was, you know, 47% from the field, 40.8% from three last year. Obviously the three-point volume was low, but he was taking more as the year went on. I was hoping he would come out of the gates and just be scoring at every level with a guy like Trey Alexander. He has that track record where he's kind of proven that he can be highly efficient on a higher usage. And with Uzan, we just haven't seen that yet. 
So with yeah. Uzan, he's more of a guy that's probably slipping toward my second at this stage. Yeah, I, I mean, I have him 53rd on my board, like after my retinkering, which door's not shut for him to rise either. Right? Not at this all. was yep. just like it's a heartbreaker, dude, because like I, I loved watching the film. I loved you getting a chance to interview him and like just seems like a dude that really wants it. You know what I mean? And uh, we've recently had some comments seen where it was like, does he have dog in him and all these other things? And I think that's a fair question because, I mean, you you kind of look at some of the other guards that Oklahoma has, and you've mentioned right off the rip, like McCollum has dog in him. Like that dude is a killer on the court. Owe has that killer in it. Like that game-winning tip-in dunk at the end of the at the end of their game was just like phenomenal. And and when I say he doesn't have like there are questions to the dog in him, I think that he's a competitor, right? I just don't really see like like the assertiveness. And I don't know if he's trying to like maybe balance balance out some of the uh the what it what does it mean to be like a lead guard? Does it mean that you have to like take all the big shots? Does it mean that you have to set your teammates up like there, there are other schools that have like this like big stable of guards on their team. Like for for example, Baylor. I don't think that you look at Jacoby and you kind of wonder like in the same manner, um, does he have dog in him? Because there are other people kind of playing a similar position as to him, uh, and, and that's like apples and oranges a little bit there. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like I was a believer in the shooting. The shot hasn't been there. I was a believer in the passing, which has looked good. His size gave me confidence in his finishing this year which hasn't really been there and the defense has been pretty tepid you know what I mean it's like it hasn't been too great but it's not really lacking too much either he just kind of feels like he is just like a very solid player but hasn't really done any one thing in particular to make me feel like this is a guy that I need and you mentioned like what it means to be a guard in the NBA the thresholds you have to clear it's a lot of guards in this class too that it's just like what are you doing that's differentiating yourself from your peers? And it's a question that Milos is still having to figure out, you know? For sure. Let's go to uh, to one of your guys, Ryan Kalkbrenner. I think we might be slightly different in opinion on this one. Uh, So Kalkbrenner, 15.3 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.8 blocks per game, 63.3% from the field, 83.5% from three, 55% at the charity stripe. Um, what have you been seeing with, with Ryan Kalkbrenner? Yeah, I picked a bad time to put him on there because like I know he's had like a really good run as of late. But um I just feel like Creighton is kind of using him a little bit less, which is to me like a little bit telling as to like how important he is to the team. Sure. Um I don't like how bad of a rebounder he's been all year. And like it's not just like a like a, you look at the box score and you see it, like you watch the film and he's just, he's still kind of light in the pants a little bit, man. It's just yeah, like, this is like a known thing that you've had to prove like over the past couple of years. And yet we're still kind of having the same com- conversation. I like that. He's a little bit more of a shooter now, but four out of his five made threes, like came in one game against like lower level competition. So that's really like kind of booing his uh, improved three point percentage. And like, big time games. I think that he hasn't, I think in the, like the top level competition that he's gone up against, he hasn't really made a three, um, which might have to do with like roster construction of some like, like lower end teams. Uh, Shot blocking has been okay. I just still kind of wonder about like 
the movement stuff on the defensive end. I wonder, like, the, the motor is still kind of touch and go. Uh, again, question about his strength. Like, this dude could still climb back up, but I was expecting him to come in and, like, make himself known this year, like, make himself felt. And it just feels like Creighton. What's the what's the backup center's name? Is it King? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like they go to King a lot, like, in some yeah, big Frederick stretches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frederick King. And I'm just like, come on, dude. Like, you were supposed to be, like, one of these. Like, not saying that you have to establish yourself as, like, one of the best, like, centers in a draft class. But he, he's getting lapped by some other people just, like, in the world of college basketball that's like, Come on, dude. Like, if you're wondering about dog with a guy like Milo Suzon, you really got to question the the level of dog in, in a player like Ryan Kalkbrenner, I feel. Yeah, he's he's their third leading rebounder behind Bear yeah. Shireman and Trey Alexander, which is like Bear Shireman's always rebounded above his position, and Trey's like a, a tough guard with a lot of length, like we talked about. How many other guys that we talk about as like real draftable prospects would be third on that team in rebounding? Yeah, you're not you're not Brooke Lopez, right? Where you're like the box out wizard, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And like everybody, you got a Stephen Adams, and, like when he would do Stephen Adams. Not the same yeah. thing. It's not the same at all, and it's just like you just he's not he's not strong for the position, you know? Yeah. I mean? Like he's he's skilled right and that's the thing that like makes him intriguing is like he can string a play along he's adding touch he's adding like distance to the shot and things like that but if you can't do like basic big man things then like i'm not i'm just i'm not gonna entertain it you know what i mean yeah that's where i'm at with him like i have him this might be too harsh okay I have him 153rd on my board right now, Maxwell. I think that's reasonable. So when I said I'm like, I've actually felt a little better about him. I had him 81st <laughs> coming into the year. I'm not sure he'll actually be like much higher when I when I do rework my board. I thought some of the points he made were really strong. Um, yeah. I do really like that he's added range to a shot. I like that he's taking more threes, even if it's largely been against bad teams. Um, Would you rather can I can I, can, I, just, I can I do a Tyler Rucker and Tyler Metcalf question yes, to you real quick? Absolutely. Would you rather have Kalowar or Ryan Kalkbrenner? Oh, Kalowar. Like, by was that? Did you think that coming into the year? I did. I think I did okay. have Kalowar higher coming into the year. Um, it was like a lot more close to me, but yeah, like, sure. Yeah, it probably was for me. Come too. on. Like, um, that's that's where we're at now with you, Ryan. I so I was viewing Kalkbrenner as like a guy that you get on like an X10 or a two way. And I, I still feel like solid about that. Like, yeah, a guy who's seven sure. feet tall and like, knows how to protect the rim and can shoot a little bit. Yeah. Like why, <laughs> why not? Uh, I, I do agree with you on the strength though. It is a massive problem. Uh, it showed up a lot in the Colorado state game. Yes. Uh, like he is very weak inside. Uh, he's really weak with the ball. Like it just got straight up taken away from him a few times in Colorado. State, they're not a like, big team. Either. They're not a big team. No, it was guys like Joel Scott, mm. who I, I love Joel Scott. Like Joel Scott is a Hodge candidate for me. I like Joel Scott a lot. Uh, I like a few other players on that team too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like guys like him and like Cardi, like dudes, dudes that are just like bulky six seven dudes who are eating his lunch. There's a lot of strong six seven players in the NBA, and that mm-hmm. to me is where it's like the draftable case for Ryan Kalkbrenner just kind of falls apart. Is if I'm worried about you from a physicality standpoint, and you're coming in as a senior, it's a little bit different than like ah, you know, Kalil Ware. I wish he was a little bit stronger. He's you know 20 years old. Um, yeah. 
I yeah, I I get the concerns with with Kalkbrenner. So we'll move on. We'll take our next break and we'll do a couple more. Uh, do you want to start with the lowers on the next one so we can end on a high note? I like that idea. All I right, like that cool, idea cool, cool. So we'll do that. We will be right back on the other side. Stick with us. All right, so let's skip down to guys that we are disappointed in. I'll go. I'll, I'll go with mine. And this is another one where, again, it's like this might just be a longer-term thing. I really like what is ultimately within the package with this player. Uh, Michigan State Xavier Booker, uh, guy who I mentioned during our preview show, like if the draft was tomorrow, like, hey, yeah, I'd take him in the late first if I'm a team with multiple picks. Uh, so far, 2.8 points per game, 1.8 rebounds, 0.6 assists, 0.6 blocks, 31.3% from the field, 20% from three. Um, just really is another one of those guys where kind of like Omaha Blue, it's like he, he'll check in and out of games and I'll like, oh yeah, like he's on the floor. Time to like pay attention to him and see what he does. And by the time he subs out, I've got nothing in my notes. Like yeah. it is it is just a very quiet performance. I saw he got some minutes against Alcorn State recently. Um, kind of want to check into that one, but through five games just hasn't, really done a whole heck of a lot um pretty inassertive the shot is far away uh it appears a little bit further away than i would have hoped um and again the stuff that we kind of had some concerns about as far as the physicality um the motor just the readiness for college basketball is a little bit concerning i think he can look a little bit robotic and his movement at times, like it looks like he's very like, now I run here, now I run to the elbow, now I'm yep. going to the three-point line. Like it just feels like there is no kind of fluidity and almost a lack of confidence uh, on the court at times. Um, the load time on the shot can be a little bit slow too, which when guys are closing out hard is is a bigger issue. Um, he wasn't really kind of getting those type of closeouts, it seemed, in the, the games that I saw prior to college. I just think he's a bit more of a project. and the the pan out rate on projects in general is just really low I, I guys are much better off coming into the league with a like year or two year path uh to being yep. able to contribute and the thing is like you could say well you know maybe you pre-draft him and, and you just are patient you wait for that value like we've said a lot in the past teams aren't as patient as we would like them to be. And oftentimes like the team drafting doesn't end up seeing that value as a result of that. They, they draft a guy and they don't like what they're seeing and they move on. Um, There's always find, next year's find draft, me guy. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like find me a guy in the, in the last like five drafts, it was a raw second round prospect that is like really contributing at this point. Like there just haven't really been any, um, the skill barrier is really high. Uh, so Booker to me is the guy where I'm just more like let's let's give it a few years at this point. But um, what have what have you seen from Xavier Booker? Yeah, so at one point, you know, when we did the whole no ceilings plus thing, and uh, we gave everybody who has subscribed access to our big boards, and I I dropped like a a board of like 150 or something like that, and I was going through doing my my pruning process. I just like to I didn't slide them down. I just deleted them off my board at one point. I'm just like. Mm -hmm. I just got to get rid of this. I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to go back and watch, and then I'll add him to my board. Like, he's on there now, but of 150 prospects, 
I just like deleted him off my board with a couple other players. And that's not where I thought I was going to be with Booker. And like, that's even with me, like already coming into this year, not really a fan, you know, like I, I had him in my second round. I was giving him respect to what he accomplished in high school for the scouting, the size, the shooting and his age, things like that. Wasn't really in love with him, but I was just like, okay, like I want to give him an opportunity to kind of like prove me wrong type of thing. And he still might go in the second round, could make a jump this year, but dude, it's not looking great right now. Like he's getting 10 minutes per game. He's in the 22nd percentile in offense on synergy. That's, that's, mm. that's, that's rough. You know, yeah. um, if you want to go and watch how he's doing, this was before that latest game that you just mentioned, he only has 19 offensive possessions on synergy. So if you got like a quick lunch break, like you can watch everything <laughs> that he's done so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he just looks really thin playing the five right now. Mm-hmm. The shot doesn't look bad, but it does take a while to get it up. Like the touch is fine, but the the motion is a little long. He's weirdly like in this kind of like ambiguous. He's not really fast or slow. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't plod, but he doesn't zoom either. Uh, struggles with rotations right now. He's in the 11th percentile on synergy defensively, and that's an accurate 11th percentile. Sometimes that you go back and, and watch film, and you're like, oh, I don't agree with the, the the number. Go back and watch the film, and yeah, he's accurately in the 11th percentile on synergy defensively. He could be this year, like this year's last year's Kolo Ware, where he like came in with expectation, mm-hmm. like disappointed, fit, like transfer out, things like that. Maybe it takes him a year, but I have him like 157th on my board right now. Yeah, and that's that's out of like. I think I'm around like 210 right now for everyone that's on no ceilings. Plus you can go over and see, but I'm around like 210 and he's like 157. That's not what the expectation was coming into the year. my man. Yeah. I think he's going to be one of those guys that has moved into like a watch list here where it's like, I'm not really going to think about ranking you until like either something yeah. dramatic changes or if you pull like a Chris Livingston, Khalil Whitney kind of like, People didn't think I was going in the draft, but I'm going. It's like, all right, well, then I'll kind of reassess and dive back in. But for the time being, I'm just going to kind of punt uh, on any expectations for this season. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, it would be really cool to have another big man that can do a lot of stuff kind of rise up to the surface, but yeah. not super holding my breath at this stage. Um, a guy you brought up was Reese Beekman, uh, who's yep. averaging 11.8 points per game, 3.7 rebounds. Again, the assist turnover is always good. 5.8 assists to 1.7 turnovers. 2.8 steals per game, 0.8 blocks per game. The defense, the playmaking, never really a question. The efficiency has been one, uh, and it's been an issue this year. 41.5% from the field, 28.6% from three, and a hair under 70% at the free throw line. Um, I was a little lower on Reese, I, I feel like, than a lot of people. Uh, coming into the year, uh, what has sort of dragged you into that same <laughs> that same territory? Yeah, so I thought that he was uh, just going to be a no-brainer second-round dude. Like, he was in Mock's drafts last season as a second-round guy. Uh, with the, the, the strength of this class being uh, brought into question, I'm just like, there's no-brainer that he's at least going to be a top-60 guy. Like, very smart, very long. I wrote about him last season. I just big believer in like the process, like an efficient three point shooter is a good passer, strong defender. And now I'm just confused by him, dude, because like we, we spoke about it on last show, like Ron Dunn is like the best player on this team. And he's like very limited in his offensive role. You know what I mean? Like he is like hands down the best player on this squad on both sides of the floor. 
And like that was supposed to be Beekman's thing. He's like this point of attack defender guard, like extremely switchable, long, could probably guard like ones and twos in the NBA. And at like at worst, he's going to be able to space the floor for you. And like the efficiency stuff is just all over the place. And it's like in the free throw numbers too, which is a little bit concerning. I know that he struggled a little bit with injury last year, but it didn't really affect him last season. So I don't know if there's like anybody that's really kind of considering that still, but I, I, I wouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. He's getting more stills per game than at any point of his career, which I, I get that you can look at that as like, you know, maybe what Jacob Gilliard is doing for Memphis and things like that. But he, I don't look at him as like a, one of the all time best steel guys at, at the guard position. Like he's very long and very savvy. I just don't know about how we talk about how hard it is to make the guard jump between college and the pros. He's listed at six, three. Is he really, he's not super strong. He's kind of dealt with injuries a little bit. He's not an efficient shooter. You don't trust him to like run an offense. I I think that you would hope that he could string the play along a little bit. He might be a good one position defender in the NBA, but the the shooting is on and off. You worry about the ball handling. I just, I I have him 84th on my board right now. And I don't know if I'm looking to draft him over players like Judah Mintz, Reed Shepard, Roddy Gale, Rob Dillingham, Cam Jones, DJ Wagner. Like those are guards that I was not anticipating having above Reese. And now I do. Would I sign him to a two-way? Yeah, sure. Right. But I'm not looking to invest draft stock in a, in a guy like Reese Beekman. That's yeah. So that's kind of where I was coming into the year. I had him around 71. I'm still with you though. I've, I've been kind of disappointed. Um, I'm actually going to throw this one up on the uh, screen from dirty dancer just now. Uh, Beekman, uh, the passivity just does nothing for me. That's it's a huge issue for him. But like you bring up a guy like Jacob Gilliard. Yeah. And I think, I think one could look at it from the outside and say, okay, well, Jacob Gilliard, like nasty defender, Reese Beekman, nasty defender. Uh, Beekman's bigger. So like, it's, it's fine. Uh, Gilliard was, is like a hooper though. Like he took a lot of threes in college, made them, showed flashes from NBA range. Beekman has always just been a guy that's really reluctant on the trigger. And this year he's taking more threes on a Virginia team that, just doesn't shoot a lot of threes and like roadie's been cold. McNeely's been cold. Like, I think those guys can shoot I think Virginia offense is going to get a little bit better. Um, once those guys start to hit, but it's telling to me that in the first season, that Beekman is taking more than five threes for hundred possessions. He's making less than 29% of them. I, I don't think no. he's a real shooter. Um, and I really don't think he's a pull-up shooter. I, like I said before the year, I, I think the concern is if you're, pigeonholing him that like Alex Caruso, D'Anthony Mountain type role. Those guys are just so much more athletic than he is. Yeah. Um, and, and a and lot of them made ghost. shooting improvements. Yeah. And I just, I don't think Beekman is that dude. Um, I, I don't mind him on a two way. I, I wouldn't hate like a Denver Nuggets type team being like, let's try it. Like if you're a competitive team and you're just looking for maybe a guy that you can play right away, I, I, don't, I don't hate it in the second round. Yeah. Do you, does he replace really Colin Gillespie on their, on their G league team? You know, I guess like, I'm, probably not. I think I might. Have <laughs> I have not, I haven't kept up with Gillespie's uh, G league stats to be honest, but yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm just not excited about anything he's done uh, this season. Um Let's move on to Tristan De Silva. 
from Colorado. Do you want to take break real quick? Oh, that is. A, have we done two already? We. Oh yeah. Never mind. I'm. I'm okay. Done. We're good. Forget me. We're good. All right. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Uh, so let's do Tristan De Silva. Uh, okay. He is a guy that, that you brought up. I'm actually a little lower on De Silva. Uh, I think then then some of the consensus because you know, a lot of people have him in the first and I'm not there. So I kind of want to hear your, your sales yeah. pitch. Uh, so just under 15 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.0 blocks, 54, 43.5, 71.4 are the shooting splits. De Silva, a six foot nine forward. Um, give me the rundown. What what has you excited about Tristan De Silva? Yeah, so real quick before I do, kid. Would you mind sharing where you have him on your board right now? Yeah, so I don't. I haven't updated since before the start of this season. I sure. don't feel super moved by him. I had him around fifty-one. Okay, here. so this is it's weird, right? Like he's higher for me, but I have him seventy-four, right? So I came into the season like not even considering him, right? Like. I feel like the threshold for seniors to get drafted, you have to do a lot of really good things. You got to be special. You have probably have to have multiple special years. And I just like nothing about Silva scream that I really needed to give him like real consideration. Right. So had him outside my top 100 with the expectation that he'd probably even fall out with the amount of freshmen and international players within this class. Much to my surprise, dude, he's been awesome. Like the shot has been as consistent as it has ever been. Um, actually probably the best that it's ever been in a literal sense, like not even hyperbolic, like the rate that it's going in the volume that he's taking. It's incredible. He's at a higher assist rate, uh, at any point of his career, the turnovers have come up a little bit, but kind of similar to that of like a Trey Alexander, you kind of like to see him experimenting a little bit, right? There's some, there's some good youth on this team as well. And he's kind of like stepped in as like the leader of this team. And he's played with some really talented guys that have made the jump to the NBA and he's complimented them well, right? No dunks on the season, but he is in the 73rd percentile at the rim. The rebounding is solid. He looks more comfortable and confident, like stringing plays along. And that's what I think gives him like a possible avenue as like a connector in the NBA. I do worry a little bit about the defense. I feel like he might be like a one position defender. Like you're probably be putting him on like the worst forward that you're lined up against. Right. Um, I think that he could be, you know, like, I think that he could be like a really good um, like floor stretching forward that you put on on your team and uh, you kind of live with a little bit of defensive deficiencies. But I, I'm considering him now like as a real draftable dude. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, like sure. I first round first round grade is like super duper rich for me. But like he is like entering the conversation of like you you probably might get drafted this year if everything kind of stays the same and that's like far and away different than where I was with him coming into the year. Yeah. I, I feel like De Silva gives me headaches because he is a guy that I feel like I should love on paper. Cause I love my tall shooters. Like he's six foot eight. Yeah. Can really stroke it. Um, and like, he's one of those guys were just like on a spreadsheet grades out so well, like always has a good steal and block rate. Um, the volume on three has been good this year. The percentage has been outstanding. And then like every time I watch him play, I feel like I'm just left wanting a little bit more. Um, So again, like there's good stuff here, right? Like you mentioned the shot performing well, and it it looks really good too. Like he's got that high stroke, minimal dip, gets it off quick. Love to see that. 
Um, again, you mentioned the finishing uses both hands around the basket, which is always great to see. Um, he does see the floor. Well, I think when he gets to, when it's not like a complicated read, I think the pass placement is good. Like it's like we mentioned, yeah. like it's when he's kind of experimenting that I feel like he does turn it over, but I think the kind of stuff he's going to be doing in the NBA is good. Um, when he does attack a closeout, the strides that he takes are really long. I worry about how fast those strides are, though. I think he's just a little bit slow, not super shifty, um, not super coordinated either, which, like, there are guys that, like, maybe aren't the fastest, but they just have, like, tools and ways to leverage their body, whether it's using their power, like a Bryce Sensabaugh did, to create space in the mid-range. Um, yeah. Or, or even, like... Um, guys that just know how to get really low with the ball to, to get a better driving angle on somebody. He doesn't have the ability to do that. And I worry about how strong he is too. I think a lot of times when guys put a body on him, he really struggles to get where he wants. Um, I'm trying to think of which game specifically it was that that stood out to me. It may have been the Florida state game. Um, it just seems like if you really throw yourself on him, he, he doesn't get where he wants. And then defensively, he communicates a lot. He stays in front of smaller players really well. He's really great at using his length for digs. But again, like it feels like there are times where guys get through him, the coordination against directional changes sort of has a lack of spring in his step sometimes, even though the block rate is good. And if he leaves his feet, the recovery is really shaky. And to me, I like I was texting with Evan and our career about him the other day. I feel yeah. like he's one of those guys where he can hang around the NBA. I don't know. that Like if he's going to be a guy that sticks in a rotation, I think like he's got to be like a bomber from three like he needs like this be, the yang numbers i was just, just thinking like, Niang. yeah like it's just got to be dead eye um yeah and there's not a lot of margin for error so i'm a little bit like wait and see like maybe if this just is how he shoots it all year i i like i'm not gonna have a choice but to buy in um yeah. but i just feel like he's a guy that i could see falling out of a rotation pretty easily because if if teams target him i think he could really struggle um and i don't know what he does in the nba when chased off the line because right now his chase off the line game is like just really sort of slow plotting into a post up if it's a smaller guy and if it's a guy who's bigger that gets matched up with him he doesn't really do anything so i'm i'm a little bit yeah. worried about that i think that the niang like that's where in my head i was going i was just about to say he could be minivan mm -hmm. 2.0 you know what i mean so <laughs> mm -hmm. and it could just depend on like team need like do you want a floor spacer like Go ahead and get them. There's the questions like, do you draft them when you know you could get them on a two-way type thing? Like, I totally get it. But that was not anywhere close to the conversation I was ready to have with them coming into the year. For sure. And yeah. I, I think where I'm at now is where you are. And that might have been like your expectation coming into mm -hmm. the year. I was like, I'm not even going to consider this guy. And now he's like become pretty interesting. Yeah. So this last one is going to be a guy who is polarizing, who like, I think this might be my my personal Tristan De Silva, where I was quite a bit lower than a lot of consensus, and now maybe I'm meeting people where they are with Oso. Um, yeah. So Marquette, six foot nine, fifteen points per game, seven point three boards, one point eight assists, one point two steals, one point three blocks, sixty seven point three percent from the field, zero attempts from the three point line, forty seven point one percent from the charity stripe. Obviously, like we got to address the elephant in the room, right? Like this dude is still terrified to shoot the basketball from beyond the twelve. Yep. Like that is a very real problem that exists in his game. He has been 
dreadful from the free throw line uh to the point like he's going to be a hack a shack target if that does not change and he was bad at the free throw line last year um where i have changed my tune with oso is i wrote a feature about him last year and the big thing i knocked him for uh was how weak he was like around the basket mm-hmm. guards just got right through his chest um guys like Kalkbrenner, who we talked about earlier like being weak like would just shove him under the basket like he was surprisingly weak uh on the interior guys like jack nunji eric dixon like every guard every big man in that league could just push him around in the post came into the year up 20 pounds in terms of his listed weight um shoulders looking bigger body looking bigger holding up so much better against guys like a dembona against guys like a zach Eady, where it's just evident that he's not the same guy that you can bully is consistently on the inside uh he's able to get to his spots a little bit better on offense because of it and then it's also just like in his legs too like forget the upper body like the explosion that he is showing off of two feet how much farther he's able to take off from uh, to finish a lob, to finish a dunk if he turns the corner on somebody. I was really worried about him because I think there are guys that like have worked in this archetype of being a little bit undersized, but having really good passing feel. But I think a lot of those high feel, shorter bigs that have stuck are guys like Kevon Looney, who are just like strong as a tank. Like Kevon Looney, if Kevon Looney charged at me right now, there's nothing I could do about it. With those, so it's like, with Oso last year, it's like, I think I can hold my own. <laughs> and like, and for, for reference, like, I'm, I'm not like a pipsqueak. I'm, I'm 6'5", 225. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bigger dude myself. Um, but now with Oso, it's like, okay, this is a guy that is able to bully people a little bit. Like, he's able to push around smaller players. He's not food on the interior for, for other big guys. Uh, I still worry about the measurements. I still worry about the unwillingness to shoot and the free throw percentage. So, but I'm much more open to the idea of like a team taking him in the first round or the early second kind of where like, again, different type of player, but a guy like Andre Jackson went last year where it's like, this is quirky. It's weird, but it can be effective. And we're just going to hope it pans out. I'm comfortable with Oso in that range now where I wasn't before the season, but what have been your early impressions on him? I have him 101st on my board. Um, I'm obviously not as high on Oso and I, yeah, and- I feel like I, I get the idea of like why people like him, you know, like he's an intelligent player. Uh, I, I see that. Right. But I don't, I'm not in love with the size, right? Like, and it was the strength, but the height is like a very real, a real uh, detriment. I think to him, I don't like the post defense nor the switching ability onto like wings and guards. So like, yeah, he's like stronger, but this dude is a foul machine. Right. Like he gets into foul trouble pretty easily. He makes a lot of ridiculous fouls. Like he'll get into foul trouble quick, have to sit a lot, puts his team in real um, bad spots. And like it's really weird that for such an intelligent playmaker that Marquette has like gone away from that a little bit more this year. Right. Like I get that they have like really good guards on their team, but a, a way that you can get really good guards, like easy looks is to have them run off of, of created big man. So like, I'm kind of curious as to why Marquette has like leaned away from him as like a focal point as a decision maker. Um, I just, even though he is stronger, like the athleticism is, is a little bit more concerning to me. Like I get that he does look better than last year, 
but I still think that the threshold as a rim runner still leaves a lot to be desired. I think that the, uh, you know, the strength to hold up against like NBA bigs is a little bit um, concerning to me. And it's like, if I'm worried about all these things as a five, I don't think that he can play the four, you know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. if he's a five that can't shoot, like is afraid of shooting, like even at the free throw line, like the free throw shooting has actually gotten worse this year. Like if you can't shoot, you're not like a shot blocker. You aren't like a great lob threat. Like you do have some like quirky, like inside stuff, but you're not like a lob threat. Um, you can playmake, but the team is like going away from you as a playmaker. I'm just like at this weird spot where you're just like kind of nifty, you know? And I don't know if like yeah. nifty being like your, your selling point to me is like uh, something that I really want to invest in. Like there's a lot of other bigs that like make sense to me as like NBA bigs more. And that's just where I, where I am with them. But um, yeah, I'm probably like one of the only people <laughs> like in this Island, like I was listening to game theory and like the slam and jam and like Sam Bassini is in love with those. So, and I could be completely out to launch on him. Like I just, I just feel off about him when I watch him play and how it translates. Yeah. I think at a certain point, once I'm past the guys and I'm like, I believe this guy will make it. Like once I'm past that portion of my board, I'm just looking for guys that have something special about them. And I think with Oso size yeah. and passing, that's like one of those things where I'm like, there's something here. And like that to me makes him a worthwhile bet. And that's sort of Andre Jackson role. I, I, I agree with you. I think there's a real, like the flaws are terrifying. And like, if it doesn't work out, it's yeah. going to feel obvious. Like it's going to be like, Oh yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't shoot free throws. And he was afraid to shoot for more than five <laughs> feet away. Of course it didn't work out. But I, I think like those are the kind of bets that I like to make where it's like, I've seen this be hyper productive and I've seen it be conducive to winning basketball. So he has that's, re- yeah, a really that's, that's my fantastic. He has like a really fantastic tooth to say something nice about him, right? He yeah. has his short roll floater might be one of the most unstoppable shots in college basketball. Like when he and Kolek or he and Jones are doing like their, their two man action, they get him the ball in the short roll and he gets that floater up. I've seen him like go up against like really big guys and like no one has the timing down on that shot. It's like, one of the more difficult shots to like really prep for plan against and stop because the guards on Marquette are so dynamic that you have to account for them that it just leaves also a lot of like really good, like shot put floaters that he hits with crazy consistency. It's, it's scary how consistent it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real intriguing uh, kind of package of stuff together that he's got. So let's do our one more thing. Uh, who's the guy that you've seen this week that you're like, hey, this is this guy's kind of cool. Yeah, so this is the guy that I've kind of floated around to a, a couple other people. Maxwell, have you seen much Elijah Saunders of San Diego State University? I have not watched a San Diego State game yet this year. Okay. Um, I was watching because uh, Liddy, shout out to Joseph in here. I was watching for Liddy, who has been a monster in college basketball this year. Um, I very concerned with him as a pro, but like has been a, a, a monster in college basketball. But Elijah Saunders, Maxwell, he gives me a lot. Oh, I was going to say, sorry, these numbers are very interesting. Like I just pulled yeah. up the, the, the stats and whoa. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I like, I ran, I ran a query based off of a draft model that I have but like previous uh, NBA players, like how they did in the year they got drafted. 
And these are like players that like did well in the NBA too, right? So when when I run these queries, it's like a very select list of names. It's not like a, a pool of 300 players, right? Saunders popped on this and, you know, there was like a list of 12 names, I want to say, that I sent you that, that he was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like four or five names that like were actually like worth a lick. Sometimes you could like see these queries and you you see the school and the size and stuff like that. You're like, Oh my goodness. Like this is in for a rough watch. Mm-hmm. You watch Saunders though, man. Like he's got some like PJ Washington, Grant Williams stuff to his game. Like okay. he's, he's like kind of in that same build. He's like a, like six, 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 seven, like power forward, sweet shooting stroke, a good playmaking. You trust him to put the ball on the deck. Uh, operates really good around the rim and is like a pretty switchable defender, right? Like I have him 144th on my board right now. And you, we talked about some of these like more prominent names and how I have them, where I have them. Like he's above some of these names that we've talked about today. I, I think that he has a really good shot of a grabbing attention this year. I don't know if he gets drafted this year, right? Like mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about him. I didn't know about him coming into the year, but, um, I floated his name around a little bit and I'm excited to get feedback on people like Nick Crane, our, our guy from a uh, draft digest, like actually was like, Whoa, like this is a pretty good prospect. So definitely a name to, uh, to put on your board around to keep in your chamber. I'm interested to see what you think about him when it, whenever you watch him though. For sure. So, so I want to throw out a guy that was actually on your, he was actually on your same list. And he was a guy that I'd watched earlier in the week. So I'd heard some good stuff and, uh, wrote some words on him in my column this week. Tyler Harris at Portland. Oh yeah, uh, he the the freshman year Max Lewis vibes are off the charts with Tyler Harris. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, six foot eight. The what like the bad stuff? You're gonna be like, what on earth is this? And like, look, I get it. He is real thin. The tunnel vision can be very bad. Uh, he definitely gets out of control. Some of the defensive lapses can be very frustrating. This is a guy that I would be like, well, hold on. Like, you just got to be patient with him because the good stuff is really good. He is super, super wiry and shifty, and he can really explode off of one foot. Like, he has got monster, monster springs in his legs. Um, Part of that is the shot blocking, too, like on defense. So, Tyler Harris, here's just the quick stats. 17 points. This is just rough. 17 points, about eight and a half rebounds, an assist, 1.5 blocks, 0.8 steals. Shooting yep. splits right now is 63, 61, 85. Obviously, if he's not, that's not going to maintain itself. Uh, it, but maybe it does, and he's a lottery pick. Who knows? Uh, but uh, he, I, I just love the raw tools here. Um, I like the stroke. I, I do think he's like a legit outside shooter. Um, Absolutely. I think the free throw line numbers kind of bear that out. Um, as I said, the tunnel vision can be really bad, but he's an above-the-rim guy at the rim. Um, he's very high effort on the glass, like really plays super hard and will crash even though he's like 180 pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, the shot blocking on the perimeter is something that's really cool. And is just sort of a value add. You don't get a lot of guys again, block shots on the perimeter and from the three point line. There's physicality issues. There are times where he can be behind a play, uh, mentally on defense, but this is a guy to me that like you just iron some of this stuff out and you've got somebody really, really special. So I'm, I'm pretty in on Tyler Harris as a long-term bet. Yeah. I have him 179th on my board, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. He's right in the same neighborhood as like your Joel Scott 
um, Thomas Dowd, a freshman out of Troy, who's pretty intriguing, and uh, Colby King, sophomore. For Colby Tulane. King's good. He's yeah. yeah. Yeah, so a lot of fun names that I have here. And just real quick, I want to plug the the No Ceilings Plus. I'm sure everyone is a little bit tired of it, but like these names that we're talking about, I have a whole list of them, right? And I have like a section of players that I've already scouted. Um, It's 201 is where I'm scouted at currently. Um, And then I have like a two-watcher teetering area where I live. Right now I have a list of like 14 names, and some of them are pretty prominent names like an Adama Ball, a Kamani Huansu, um, some of them are like I ran my draft model and I'm really interested to check some of these out. Right. So you can see all this stuff like real time, like as, as we're updating them, too. So it's a pretty cool feature that we didn't have. Um, but no things. Plus, you get access to all of our big boards and you can see where I have a, a Jeremy Fumina who I texted Maxwell the other day. who's a freshman center out of Rhode Island. who's like this guy might be someone in like three or four years. You know what I mean? Uh, it looks yeah, really yeah. good. So. You get to see all that stuff, and I, I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm taking it like really seriously, like giving the sure. No Ceilings Plus people like more than what they could have seen last year. Absolutely. So definitely subscribe to No Ceilings Plus uh, if you haven't. Subscribe to regular No Ceilings, No Ceilings NBA.com for free daily written content Monday through Friday. Subscribe to all of our podcast feeds. Uh, Steven, what have you got coming out uh, writing wise this week? Yeah, so by the time that this drops, I'm going to have a Kevin McCuller Jr. centered piece coming out and uh, really focusing in on the returners. I know my next piece is going to be featuring another uh, returner who has been shining like crazy. Uh, But yeah, I got a Kevin McCuller Jr. piece coming out. I have him in my first round right now. Um, Feeling really good about that. I think that Bleacher Report just dropped a uh, 60 you know, the, the top 60 uh, mock draft that they do. And they had him like 17th. I'm not there yet, but um, definitely a guy who I would invest, uh, invest first round draft capital on has had a heck of a season so far. What about you, Maxwell? Yeah. So I've got a piece coming out uh, that will be out by the time you're listening to this um, on Ron Holland and kind of his early season struggles and why I am not selling much of my stock on Ron Holland. Uh Wrote a little bit about uh, some across cross genre comparison, comparing him to Roman Reigns to bring it back to the wrestling talk at the start of the I show, uh, and also uh, a guy like Andrew Wiggins and and kind of what the perception of Wiggins was coming into the league and some of the similarities there. So um, that, that'll comment. be out. So make sure you go check it out. Uh, like I said earlier, subscribe to those things NBA. Uh, follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen G Hoops. Follow me at Foundboards, and we'll see you all next week. Much love, y'all.